Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy tools and analysis on the entire internet. Go check them out. HashtagBasketball.com. Today, we have a very special episode. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Katrin, but joining me is a special guest, um, all the way from Australia, the um, elusive Adam King from Fantasy Basketball International. How's it going, Adam? How you doing? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Nice to be on the show again. This is the first one we've done this year, but we, we normally do one or two a year, so... Um, yeah, yeah. And you know what? Yeah. We should do something during the season instead of preseason. I feel like I usually have people on in the preseason, and then I get real lazy during season but this year i'm going to switch it i got real lazy during the preseason so i'm gonna have to step up my game during the regular season yeah you you were away at a wedding i think weren't you is that that yeah i took like a two-week vacation and then i had like a whole week-long wedding thing i was like great timing because i missed a lot of the uh yeah um, kind of lead up to the fantasy basketball season which is kind of uh the most important time uh but i think we've caught up all right and honestly like you know you've been watching preseason you've been um, you know, putting out a lot of content over at uh, at FBI Basketball on Twitter. If you're if you are not following them, go follow them right now. Um, the preseason seemed kind of weird so far, in my opinion. Like, I'm not getting a lot of I'm not getting a lot of content. I'm not getting a lot of like insight uh, on different teams, even teams I've been looking at, like Utah uh, or Detroit. Like, I still don't know have a good feel for how this season's going to go. No, I think there's there's still quite a bit of uncertainty around, especially as those teams, like you said, Utah, Detroit, um, Orlando, Spurs. Spurs. Yeah, we, we're still not sure who's going to be getting the minutes. I mean, we're, we're projecting who we think is going to get the minutes, but we're not necessarily right. So I think the first week of the season is going to... We could see a lot of people's rosters, fantasy rosters, change a little bit. We could see people dropped... Um, lots of pickups in the first week, uh, which which is not unusual, but um, perhaps there'll be more more than uh, more than what we'd normally see. And but I mean, in saying that, the the uncertainty does mean that um, a lot of managers are able to take risks and take some flyers late in drafts, and and then just cross your fingers and and hope that they get the minutes that we think they might. Yeah, I feel like there's a ton of unknowns going in. The preseason haven't hasn't given us really any clarity, especially to those kind of fringe teams that uh, are all tanking for uh, the the first pick in next year's draft. Uh, which I have a feeling a lot of dynasty uh, uh, managers are going to be doing that in their leagues as well. I don't think you should do that. Do you recommend if you're in a dynasty league to tank for next year? Uh, well, I've never been in a dynasty league. I mean, my first one this year um and I've, that one, right? yeah yeah and and i'm i'm still not really sure what my strategy is even though we're <laughs> into about round 10 or something um i'm yeah I'm, I'm sort of i think i'm in between tanking and competing i'm sort of just sitting in the middle there so it could depend a bit on injuries and that sort of thing and i have picked up some young guys but but i had a a really late pick i had picked 27 or something um so wasn't able to get one of those elite players but was able to pair a couple of players sort of near the turn there so uh yeah look i I don't know i do know of a couple of people in that league that are pretty openly looking to next season um whereas 
I, I think in the projections you're actually right at the top so um, that backs up what you're saying there is, is you don't think you should be tanking so I don't think you're you not. should ever tank you know like I don't play in a lot of dynasty leagues um, I like I really am I don't know about you I like Roto I like nine cat uh, if I can be in a keeper league I'm cool with that um, uh, but like you know with limited keepers with kind of constraints around um who you're keeping and how it affects your draft so there is like a redraft element right it's like i don't um some people and i'm one of them i don't feel like i have the wherewithal to be like okay i'm gonna make some moves for three years from now or four years from now and then maybe i'll be sitting pretty in a in a, in a position to compete for a championship here in three or four years um and i think a lot of people fall into that trap with the dynasty league they'll be taking you know, uh, rookies, Cade Cunningham in the, you know, early in the first 10 picks, right? I think Cade Cunningham, I'm actually looking at it, went eighth overall in this league. Yeah. I picked, I had picked 12 and I got Joel Embiid. I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to play for this year because a championship's a championship. Yeah, that, yeah, that's right. I, I, it's, honestly, it's not even in me to tank. So I would, even if I sort of went in and said, yep, I'm going to tank, I would see players on the board and go, ah, they're going to help me now. And I, I want to compete. Um, that's just part of playing fantasy. And I've actually built my team, and I did this purposely, built my team so that even if I do get the number one pick, um, Wembenyama doesn't even fit my build. Um, so <laughs> that sort of, I guess, it was a backup plan for not <laughs> tanking um, because I'm not, I don't have that incentive that a few others might have to try and get him next season. So yeah, the the Fancy Basketball International, it's kind of a new uh, venture, right? Like, you've been doing this for a while, but I feel like the Fancy Basketball International, is that a rebrand or is that just kind of a new... Um, uh, so no, they've been around for a couple yeah. of years. So it's, it, okay. it was, it's just run by um, a mate of mine in Melbourne. Oh, cool. Um, B-Dub and then Matt Lawson uh, over in the States. And yeah. they've had it going for a couple of years and it just... My understanding, I wasn't sort of involved with it to start with, but it it basically kicked off as a platform for a community for people to join leagues so that the basis of their, or the concept behind the idea was just that they provided leagues for people and a Discord server, so for the community. Um, it's sort of a, a one a one-shop um stop when it comes to leagues they offer a range of different money leagues free leagues um and then this season i know we've had i think we had about 100 draft only leagues um wow. they've got the, the world cup going now which started last year i think um and that kicked off yesterday so that's sort of where it started just as a, a platform for people to go if they were looking for a league um rather than just joining a public league where you have no idea who's actually in the league. Um, the idea is that all of our leagues are pretty competitive with, with people who know what they're doing. Um, and then I just sort of came on really just to, to help them out um, and and because I knew they didn't have really any written content um, or a podcast or anything like that. And, and I just, I needed to scale back what I was doing because last season was just really hectic, really busy. And uh, my day, my day job, unfortunately, is very busy as well. So, um, I just basically sort of said, "Look, I'm I'm willing to just help you guys a little bit. Um, I do what I what I can 
when I can and and other than that the leagues sort of run themselves so no it's it's getting bigger I think we're we're over 2,000 people now wow. in the discord server so it's it's pretty busy yeah that's a that's a ton that's a lot of people and uh, if anybody wants to go check that out it is fbi-basketball.com um and you know what you're i think you're uh it's working because i am in more leagues this season than i have been in a while and i want to say at least four of them are because of you Uh, they're all fbi international there's the dynasty league that we just talked about um there is a couple there's the the invitational there's a roto league that i I joined and then there's an uh, experimental points league and i think that was your idea Mm. um are are you gonna be posting like kind of like what's going on with all these different leagues over at fbi or yeah i think i should just follow you on twitter yeah look i mean follow me on twitter um but yeah i'll be posting updates um and we've got uh we've got our clutch time podcast now which during the season we'll have a few regular um shows each week so i'll be doing updates um but yeah i i just i came up with a couple of trial sort of leagues one of them was that points league um because as you would know and as most people would know a traditional points league is not generally comparable when you when you look at it alongside a category league the rankings are very different so i just wanted to try and level that out a bit um i i did some calculations based on standard deviations and came up with a scoring system and um it it probably went a little bit too far the other way in that the <laughs> yeah, guys, you get like um, 15 16 points for a steal or a block uh yeah. which is like those are rare categories like that makes a lot of sense but then also it kind of makes you know bigs uh, a little overvalued so far in this draft which i was very willing to like give a new thing a shot because i i I don't think there's a good uh, a good points league in existence. I don't think points leagues are particularly fun to play in. Um, I don't feel like there's much strategy other than get the guy with the most points, mm. right? So um, if in, if there is anything to bring people over into fantasy basketball, even if they want to do a points league, at least give them a points league that they um, can enjoy or maybe have a little bit more complexity. So I was very willing to get involved in this one. Um, though I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how it all plays out, though. Um, just because I, I think a lot of us are like, I don't know what to do with that kind of like crazy. Two categories are worth so much more. Uh, I think turnovers are like negative six point seven yeah. points. Like it's a really weird point system, but I like I like weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I just thought it'd be um, be cool to try it and see see how it flows. But it, it may happen again next season. It may not. We'll just wait and see. Um, and then we had the uh, the roto. I set up a roto league as well. I'm not sure if you're in that one. You might be um, the, with with the uh, a 70 game cap per position. And my eye thinking there was that that will bring those players like Porzingis, Kawhi Leonard, um, or even I mean even to some degree Zion Williamson. Those guys that we're sort of thinking may only play 65 games it it basically levels out the playing field and and so someone like Jokic who still went number one I think he's pretty much going number one everywhere yeah um no matter what. but that, that durability doesn't factor in as much if if the most the the most amount of games you can play at any position is 70 um if, if Kawhi was to play 66 he'd probably be like the fifth ranked player this season in that in that format so um, that was just the thinking there. Again, just I thought it would be fun to try something different. Yeah, and actually, that's the maybe the 
the best and the worst thing maybe about fantasy basketball overall, right, is that there's no wrong way to play. Um, so that means you can figure out, you can do whatever you want. You can have your own weird league. You can uh, do a keeper league or a dynasty league or a salary cap league, even though, man, I don't, I don't have the, I really don't have the wherewithal to do a salary cap league. I tried that for a while and I ended up kind of like hating, just like really hating it. Like it was just way too much effort and work. Um, but like on the flip side of that, since there is no standardization, it's kind of hard to give uh, advice or uh, speculation or, you know, put rankings together or, um, you know, like even evaluate people's trades um, without knowing the very specificness of each one of those leagues. Without that standardization, we can only kind of shoot towards like, you know, hey, this is a head-to-head category league. That's the way most people play. Um, and we'll just say, hey, that this applies for those leagues only. Uh, is, is that the kind of league you like would say you normally like to play? Or if someone was just starting out? Uh, into fantasy basketball like kind of what would you uh, kind of league would you advise for them to play and like how would you advise for them to like kind of approach uh joining the cult that is fantasy basketball uh yeah look i think i know for me i I just started in a um sort of standard head-to-head category league um but from what i've heard and and i've never played fantasy football but I, i have sort of picked up from talking to everyone who does that there is a bridge there between fantasy football and fantasy uh, points leagues in basketball. So I, yes. like I don't, I said I don't know how fantasy football works, but that is the way that often people are sort of lured over to to fantasy basketball is in the points format. So I think if if you're coming in from fantasy football, maybe that makes sense. Um, but in terms of if you're sort of willing to dive into it and, and actually um, do some research and listen to podcasts, I think just coming in at a standard sort of head-to-head nine-cat league is probably the best because that's generally where a lot of the discussion and chatter is geared towards um, because the bulk of leagues are just head-to-head nine-category leagues. Yeah, I'd really try to push people into those category leagues. Uh, yeah, fancy football usually points. Uh, I don't even play fan- uh, fancy NFL anymore. Just um, I used to a lot, and it was just it's. There's a lot of luck that's involved, yeah. uh, and it's it's also like tons of people are doing analysis for it. Um, it's very oversaturated, and uh, really all you have to do is kind of follow along with what people are doing, and then get lucky and even if you have like one of the better teams you score the most points you might not even make the playoffs like that i think and i i like a little bit of luck and a little bit of skill uh versus like fancy baseball where like you basically have to be an accountant um and (laughs) spreadsheets after spreadsheets of different things and it's 182 games way too many um 162 i forget how many baseball is it's too long i'm very happy that baseball is almost over um too much baseball but uh, we are almost into this basketball season, and um, you have published uh, some rankings. And I think, I mean, I think everybody's kind of all over the place. I don't know how many mock drafts you've been doing, um, or how many. Um, I mean, you've been in quite a few drafts because I've been in quite a few drafts with you. But I don't think there's really a consensus. Hardly anything. There's a consensus number one player, right? Um, yeah. And I think there's kind of like uh, two through eight. Everybody's kind of like, I feel like I know who should be here. I'm seeing like ADPs where like three, four, five different players are like ADP 28, ADP 54. That means like no one knows what where to pick these guys. 
Um, and I'm not sure if you're if you're feeling the same way, but like, how do you how do you feel about this season when you're preparing for a draft? How are you preparing for that draft? How do you feel this season is going to be either same or different than other seasons? Yeah, it is. I think you're right there in that. Um, yeah, Jokic is obviously number one pretty much everywhere, um, and then beyond that, the first round is really just go and get your guy. Uh, almost to the point where. Um, it's hard to for us as analysts to, to actually preach sort of one player over another. I mean, I, I have um, <clears throat> I have some guys I'm targeting depending on on where I'm picking. But as you said, I think two through to yeah eight nine, and you could even make a case through to twelve or thirteen is basically a wash, and and you can just take whoever you want, and and if you're in a a category league, which most of my leagues are category leagues, it, it really uh, depends on what I'm thinking in terms of punting. And, and so I might, I'll take a player based on what I think I can get later. Um, I think one takeaway from doing drafts and doing mocks and, and draft only leagues is that blocks this season are really hard to get. And so yeah. people are reaching for those centres. So I, I'm sort of leaning into those punt builds where I don't need centres, so going guard heavy um, and not focusing on blocks because in some of these like second, third, fourth round, people are reaching for, for players. That means that other guards who probably should be going a bit higher might still be on the board when it gets to me. So that's probably one strategy that, that I've uh, adopted a little bit. Um, but... Yeah, the the first round, I think I actually really think it's beneficial to be picking uh, sort of around pick ten, eleven this season, um, because then you can get probably a possible first round guy. But chances are you could get us another first round guy at pick thirteen or fourteen as well, given what we've seen. Yeah, I think if you can't get Jokic, and I think that's the other thing, if you get number, if you have a choice, number one pick, right? And I've noticed this one, Jokic, you can't not build around Jokic he's incredible he's almost unfair at this point in, in fantasy leagues and you're seeing a lot of guys drop so you're starting with your center who gets you know basically point guard stats and then you're seeing a lot of these guards drop you're seeing uh, all sorts of player older players drop like Jimmy Butler uh, Chris Paul um, guys that just basically oh I'd rather you know take my chances on a, a really young guy uh, like Anthony Edwards or Cade Cunningham, and then all of a sudden Bam Adebayo is sitting there, and you got Bam Adebayo and Jokic and um, you know and Fred Van Fleet or something like that, and it's like wow, that's a great that's a great build. If I can't get that one, I'm with you. I want to be in like that seven, eight, nine space where it's like one of these top guys are gonna be there, um, and then come back around, I can get another really good guy. Uh, but I have been noticing if you don't get your bigs early. Um, you're probably not going to get one. And like, once it gets down to like Jonas Valanciunas in like the fifth, sixth round, like you're, it's kind of a hard drop off after that. It is, yeah, especially for guys that, um, that as we said, that get those blocks. Uh, I mean, there's there's a few centers floating around down there, but not, yeah, not not those elite shot blockers, and, and also, I mean, you might get someone like a Nick Claxton a bit later, but he's going to destroy other categories so while he will get you blocks um 
you you would need to be really strong in like free throw yeah. percentage, for instance, because he's going to really tank that category. Um, so yeah, people are really reaching to get those centers before about pick fifty, uh, as you said, and and so that that can mean that that some other guys that that you're targeting might be available uh, a little bit later than than what they should be. Yeah. Um, and that's why I like getting those bigs earlier or forward early, forward big, uh, kind of in that one-two uh, spaces. Uh, let's let's talk about, like, I got your rankings up here. Let's talk a little bit of, about your rankings, my rankings, see where we differ. Maybe talk a little bit about sleepers or guys you're avoiding. Uh, and I, wanna, I actually want to start with a guy um, that I don't know what to do with. Um, I see you got him about 14th. Um, I have him in my, uh, actually I have him eighth if I do rankings, but I usually do put my things in tiers. So I have him in that like two, like one B category, I guess. It's like, I'd rather, I could have Luca, I could have Curry, I could have this guy. I'm talking about, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, who has lost 17 pounds of what looks like muscle, um, due to a respiratory infection, uh, of some sort. Are you worried about that at all with Carl Anthony Towns? Uh, I'm not really worried about that um yeah I, I think i mean it might take him a little bit longer to get going but he, he looked pretty good yesterday in the preseason game um gobert wasn't playing obviously but uh he, he looked to be pretty healthy i think he played about 26 minutes or something from memory pretty so good. um yeah the, the fact that they've got him out there playing that much in a you know meaningless game in the preseason sort of tells me that he's re- still relatively healthy um but yeah as you said you've got him at eight i've got him at 14 but we just touched on the fact that yeah that's really not that far apart and and you could make a case for him at eight or i could make a case for him at eight he's he's a really really good fantasy player and even though his rebounds might drop a little bit and his field goal percentage could drop because he's he's sort of spreading the floor and playing on the perimeter a bit more. Um, more three-pointers uh, obviously boosts his value. Um, his, his free throw percentage, who's to say, it doesn't go up a little bit. Um, if he's playing on the perimeter a bit more, maybe he gets 0.2 steals extra, um, some more assists. So you could really make a case for him to go at eight or on the flip side you could you could use though that reasoning to say well drop him down a bit and take him at 14. i think people get a little too hung up on uh rankings right and which is why we do kind of uh, uh for watch the boxes we kind of push the tiered view of these players that there's some top tier players some of them are really close together and then eventually like after like 50 60 they start kind of value of that player is kind of similar to the guy at 70 but it's you know do you want steals do you want rebounds what do you want out of that player to complement your best players um and i think people i think people get a little too hung up it's like oh that guy's like five ranks worse it's like but that's not really that big of a deal you're not really reaching down for that that's fine yeah, and, and and I mean, I think in previous seasons we probably have had a little bit of well, if if a guy is ranked, say, we've got him ranked at eight, and you've got pick two, if you were to take that eighth ranked guy at pick two, you'd probably say, okay, well there is a difference there. You probably could have gone for the higher ranked player, but this season, uh, as we said, I think from anywhere from pick two all the way through to the end of the first round, there's not a massive difference in value, um, and I think people are. Are, probably, are either just sort of grabbing the guy that they want to get um, 
or avoiding certain players simply for the risk of missed games. Um, someone like a KD uh, is obviously um, top of that list there, where he, he probably should be going sort of second, third, fourth, but you see him fall to seventh or eighth because people are turned off by the fact that he might only play 65 games. Yeah, though I, I wonder, like, what's going to be, if you look at, like, the top 25 at the end of the season, like, what is going to be the average games played uh, for for a per-game guy? Like, you know, total is obviously that, yeah. why that switches. But even, like, somebody, somebody like KD, right, he's so good. If he plays 60 games, he's probably a top 15 totals player. Hmm. Like, yeah, he, I think so. I think I mean, yeah. we've seen that with Kawhi Leonard's done that a couple of seasons yeah. where he's missed multiple games but still ends as a first-round player um, in totals, and Kyrie, I think, has done that as well. Um, he so, can't predict injuries, right? Like that's no. you know, Dame was the healthiest person in the league until he wasn't. Yeah, Cat was the same. He didn't miss a game for the first, I don't know, three seasons or something in, of his career, and... The last two years, he seems to have been out more than he's been in, which isn't the case, but it, it sticks in your mind because he was so durable that um, when that flips, it, it, it almost accentuates to it the hurts. point where they become injury-prone in people's minds very quickly. Yeah, like it, it really only takes one season for people to think someone's injury-prone. And, you know, unless you're... You know, unless you're a Chris Stavs-Porzingis and you have a track record, yeah. AD track record... Um, Jimmy Butler um, has a track, really not a track record of being like, quote unquote, injure, injuries, like prone, but like has a track record of being like, yeah, I need to rest this out because I need to play in the playoffs, right? Like, which, yeah. you know, respect, like that's what we're all, all those guys are there for, right? Is to play in the playoffs. Um, but like, you know, you can't predict this stuff. Like, it, it, who knows? So I try to like, avoid being like, oh, I'm going to avoid this guy, unless it's kind of like a Chris Dabbs who I definitely... I'm avoiding this season, uh, but here's a guy. I guess I've, I, I'm completely different than most people, I, and we have to talk about this player. I'm going to be different than in in your rankings versus my rankings and everyone else's rankings. I have Zion at 54 overall, uh, down in my like early like plateau region, um, and I've seen a lot of people got him in the second round. You have him square in the middle of the second round at uh, player number 20. Uh, I do kind of lean towards more of a roto uh, across the board type of build versus a punt build. Um, so what, I guess for Zion, you know, what is everyone seeing that I'm missing? I guess is probably the my always my question when it comes to Zion. Yeah, Zion's a tricky one. I mean, again, you, you could make a case for him. I think at either of these positions, um, I just have him higher because I think. Points are really hard to get, so he could be a 30-point scorer. Um, if we look back to two seasons ago, I think he was at about 27 points or something, 28 points a game. Mm-hmm. And and that was really his first full season in the league. So um, he looks fitter, he looks healthier, he's lost weight. Um, he has a better supporting crew now, so teams can't just zero in on him. Um CJ McCollum there and the and the rise of some of their second year players. Um, I, I just think having a better team will help him his overall production. I'm sort of I guess having him at twenty, you're sort of banking on um, on health, obviously, and I'm hoping some of his defensive stats can can come <laughs> back from from um, 
yeah, before he, he sort of um, came into the league with a an interesting, uh, with interesting upside on the defensive end, but that hasn't translated yet. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping that he can maybe get to one steal a game and, and close to a block, 0.8 blocks. Um, he, he'll get, I don't know, four assists. Um, he, he can handle the ball a little bit. His free throws are a concern. I think we saw him go oh, yeah. six of six in the first game and three of 12 in the second game. So, <laughs> that sounds right, yeah. Yeah. That's, so how, that, that, that's how averages are going to work. Uh, yep, I think everybody yep. gets a little too excited with those small sample sizes. Yeah, so I've just got him there, and and I've I've taken him. Um, I know in the in the pro twenty league that that I'm in um, might be in. I'm not sure. <laughs> We're in so many leagues together. Uh, I took him. I took him with my at pick twenty, um, and and that was obviously a first round pick in that league. Uh, but then I paired him with uh, Jar Morant, uh, and then Ben Simmons. Um, on my my next pick, so really targeting those, um, getting my points early, uh, getting some assists, rebounds, and maybe not focusing as much on the defensive stats or free throws. So um, he does need to fit your build and, and what you're trying to do, but I just think the upside there um, is is just too too much, and and I just really I'm excited to just have him on my team because I like watching him play. He is a Absolutely electric when I play like actual basketball. Like I plan on going seeing him live when he comes to Chicago, um, for sure. Um, I um, I wish nothing but health for this dude. That's always like you know still in the back of my mind. This guy's had just even his young career quite a bit of health problems. Um, I hope he is incredibly healthy this season. And I, I think you hit on one point that um, uh, can't be overstated enough. Um, points. When you approach, like, when you're above 25, when you're close to 30, or you can actually score 30, points have an incredibly positive correlation with winning your league. Um, Usually, it's usually borderline impossible to win your league if you're not a top three-point guy. Um, It's simply because the best players do really great things other than score points, but, like, the guys who score a bunch of points, right, do incredible other stuff what, what worries me a little bit about zion this is why i have him so low i i look at i i, I don't want to off the my first round pick or second round pick right i don't want to throw away two categories and you really are throwing away threes if the guy doesn't make any threes you really are and his free throws are so bad at volume You're, you are throwing away those two categories pretty much um so if you lean into it like you have with ben simmons john morant that's exactly what you have to do. And you can still build a very competent and, um, I would say, um, very competitive team around Zion. But yeah, he's going to get you 30, uh, hopefully, almost 30, uh, good rebounds. And if it's, I, he does have a pathway to like more assists as well. Mm. Um, but I get a little worried when I when I need both steals and blocks to like take a take a little bit of a bump. Like Maybe one of those can go up, maybe the other one won't, but like... And he's young, right? He's still got like a lot of way, a lot of ways he can improve. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, field goal uh, is going to be great from him as well. So, like, I get it if you're all the way built into like I, I'm punting these two categories. I do not care. Well, yeah, then he's like a top fifteen player, absolutely. Um, yeah. but it pigeonholes you into that build, and yeah. 
and uh, to me, that like I don't want to be pigeonholed that early because let's just say someone else is doing something similar and they take my guys before me, and now I'm like, oh, you're you're really playing from behind there. And I, I when I do when I go into a draft, I like to have it wide open and let the draft take me in a direction uh, versus thinking like versus having like a punt strategy right off the bat. Yeah, and and he is as you said, he is a tricky one to to punt or to build around if you're in a punt because he's his strengths are concentrated so much in in limited categories. Whereas, uh, as you said, I mean Jokic is is obviously the prime example. He's good at everything, but you you look at um, other guys in in this sort of range that I've got: Anthony Davis, uh, Devin Booker, Dejounte Murray. There. Strengths are well, they're they're not as strong in certain categories, but they're stronger in more, uh, and and which does give you some more flexibility later in drafts. Um, and another challenge with Zion is that one of the categories that he's strong in, which is points, is generally a category that you would associate with guards as opposed to bigs, and so he from that from that perspective he fits a guard build. But his free throw percentage does not fit a guard build, so he he is a little bit obscure in in that his strengths don't necessarily align with where where he plays on the court. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, looking through some of the other rankings here, I'm this is the, just something else that stands out as I'm scrolling through here. Um, we have all three bulls kind of like centered in that late thirty range, and Demar Derozan's the last one. Like, uh, I, I I think I have mine reversed. Actually, is that Demar Derozan? Uh, I have a little bit higher than uh, still in the same space, right? Um, and it's hard to be like, hey, why are you hating on Demar Derozan? You have him in like your top forty, and that's where he belongs. He ble- he belongs in like I, I have. I think I have him in. Uh, if I look, uh, I think I'm, I have him in my top twenty-five. So I, I I guess I do have him significantly higher. Uh, are you worried about, uh, I guess, DeMar DeRozan's age, health, um, and inability to hit three-pointers? Um, yeah, look, I think that uh, once you get into this sort of range, you could, I mean, I, I could easily just sort of have him at 33 there and, and switch him with Chris Paul or something like that. It, it's, it is interchangeable at this point. Um, yeah, look, I, I think prior to last season, he was a pretty solid sort of top 50, top 40 player. Uh, last year came as a bit of a surprise, I think, to to many, um, and and so I'm just not sure he can repeat what he did, uh, especially in terms of the efficiency. Um, I mean, he's always been an efficient scorer because he doesn't shoot threes; he gets to the basket. But he he is 33 now, um, so I think I, that that's more just. I, I think if you were to draft him at sort of 25, that's drafting him at his ceiling, whereas drafting him here, sort of in the top 40, it's probably more his floor, but leaves a, a round of upside, where, where if he was to repeat what he did last season, he could be a top 30 player, and you, you get a round of value. So that's my thinking there. I mean, if you like him, um, he does, he's, he's very efficient from both the floor and the, and the free throw line, so yeah, look, he is he's a safe enough guy, even if you were to take him around earlier than that. Um, as I said, that's probably his ceiling, but his floor isn't much below that either. So he is, if you've taken some risky picks with your top two um, or first two round picks, then he is a nice, safe third round 
player to target. It gets you those points, right? And that's the nice thing about, especially some of these older guys, right? They do seem to fall into um, the third round or the fourth round, even though they have, like, you know, into the second round value. Um, just because I think a lot of people don't don't know where this season is going. Uh, they don't know how to value kind of these younger players, which I, I do want to talk about. Um, and, you know, guys like, you know, who've been doing it for a while, like DeAndre Ayton, no one's excited about DeAndre Ayton. A few years ago, everybody was excited about DeAndre Ayton. He was like a second-round pick, easy. Uh, you know, we're seeing DeAndre Ayton go closer to 50 than, uh, than 20, uh, almost in every draft I, I've been in so far. Yet, DeAndre Ayton is... I mean, there's some weird shit going on in uh, in Phoenix, right? But he's still a pretty good player. He's very efficient. He is, yeah. Look, and I've probably got him at around 50 if I look through yeah. here. Yeah, 51. So, um, and you've got him at 42. So, so I mean, we're we're pretty much bang on there. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's nine spots different, but as we said at, at this point, they're they're pretty interchangeable. So. Yeah, look, I think the just the the whole Phoenix thing, I think, worries me a little bit. Um, I mean, it looks like he's going to play, but how happy is he? And, and just his lack of defensive stats, I think, is just the downside for me that he doesn't he doesn't block a lot of shots, and and that confuses me a bit. He, sh- I don't know why he doesn't block shots. He should be. Um, so that's really just the only downside for me. There is that. Um, as we've said, blocks are so hard to get, and he doesn't really offer any upside in blocks. Based on what we've seen, anyway, he, he could prove me wrong this season, but I would rather sort of go with a Jared Allen or a Miles Turner over him just because of the shot-blocking ability. Yeah, blocks are going to be really, really hard to come by, which is why like, I'm really glad people forgot like Al Horford still plays basketball. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a, just a lot of people just going, I'm never going to draft Al Horford. I'm like, great, I got him at 105. <laughs> That's fantastic because he's going to be like a top 60 player. Um, so, like, you've been in a lot of drafts. You've been doing a lot of drafts. What is, I guess, uh, a couple players that you've noticed um, just like you're very shocked, like maybe like Al Horford, that no one seems to be on? Like, you're almost getting this guy in like every single draft. Uh, yeah, look, if I if I look at a few of my... Someone asked me this in the Discord the other day about who were some of the players that I was ending up with. Um, Franz Wagner is one. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if I'm higher on him than most. I'm just having a look at your rankings to see. I've gone up and down with, uh, with Franz. Like, I'm like, I really like... I think he could be a breakout candidate. I think he could be very, very good this season. And then I start looking around at all the different guys. It's like, well, would you rather have Tobias Harris or Franz Wagner? It's like, well, Tobias Harris does it every year. Franz Wagner still needs to prove something, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like, do you want to take that risk? Or do you want to go with something, um, you know, just very um, solid? And I think I might have pushed Franz Wagner down to 85, which I think is too low. But then, you know, what's the difference between 85 and 75? Like, not a whole lot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and I've got him at sixty-seven. Um, I seem to be getting him quite a bit. And I mean, I mean, we do see trends. And so, guys that I was getting early in drafts two weeks ago are no longer available when it gets to me. So you do see things shift as as people do their research and have a look at mock drafts and industry drafts and those sorts of things. They will see some patterns, and all oh, this player is going a bit early than where I've seen him, and and so they will start. Um, 
taking note of that. So, but so he's sort of one player that I'm getting. Um, having a look through here, see Devin Vassell was one that I was really happy to take at sort of pick sixty five seventy, but now he's often off the board oh, yeah. by the time that people comes are, around. People have, uh, I think he's a little too hot now. Yeah, I think he's he's probably almost being maxed out now. Um, similar to guys like Larry Markin and um, Colin Sexton, I think they've had a lot of hype over the last two weeks, and yeah. and they're getting to the point now where people are drafting them at their ceiling. Um, yeah, they snuck she, out of that. Uh, you know, they were like post one hundred players, and then they've snuck back into like the seventies. Yeah. Yep. Um, but. I mean, we see that happen, and, and and on the flip side, you they've obviously got to take the position of someone who was previously ranked or, or in that range, and so we are seeing some players dropping a little bit. Um, which, which, yeah, I mean, there's there's ebbs and flows, and so there's always going to be value to be found if you're not tied into certain players. Um, if you're willing to keep an open mind when you get later into drafts, and and you'll you'll find that you're able to get players that two weeks before you probably wouldn't have been able to get at that range. So, um, yeah, it, it, that is probably one thing I've seen this season is that... And, and I think part of the reason is just there's so much content out there now that it's, the the rankings are, are shifting almost daily because of the, the abundance of knowledge and um, thoughts of so many analysts that... Uh, a lot of people playing fantasy now are locked in and listening to podcasts and reading articles and on Twitter, and so they're they're seeing what uh, the industry is doing and and following suit, and so things are changing almost on a daily basis. Which is like uh, I think that's a good thing, right? Like it used to be only a handful of people, um, handful of places you can even go to, uh, some things behind paywalls, and now uh, there's more and more people, um, you know, who won. Love fantasy basketball, which is great because, like, I think that's cool. More people, uh, the better. Uh, and two are putting out really quality, um, good analytics, quality uh, research, um, good articles, good rankings, and uh, like the more the merrier, in my opinion, because I think it just makes um, one it, things more competitive, and two, it gets more people into it. Right? It gets people uh, something they can kind of you know use as a as a guidestone, uh, which is what I think you know we tried to do here at, at watching the boxes. Um, Speaking of guidestones, I don't have any guidance for people looking for sleepers. I, I keep being asked, "Hey, who's your like sleepers this year? Who's the sleepers?" There's always like the hottest sleeper, like always some of the, it's always the, like the same guy, right? Like the high, uh, to me, this year's hottest sleeper is Alfred Sagoon. Everybody's talking about that guy. You're not going to get that guy because everyone knows he's the sleeper uh, du jour. So I usually like who's the like the sleepers that people aren't calling sleepers. I don't have anyone like I really really don't like they're kind of boring like a Gary Trent Jr. It's like just you know get Gary Trent Jr. a little bit earlier than you think that's not really like someone I think who's going to break out or become like a top you know, 40 player or anything like that do you have any like is, have you like do you think this is like a hot sleeper year that I'm, I'm, I'm maybe missing something or do you have like any sleepers or people you're reaching down to get like guaranteed like you want this guy on the team because you, you think he's a breakout yeah, look, I think it's. I think you're right, and I think come this time of the year, we're only what a week out from the season now. Um, but but basically, the month of October, I think sleepers is almost a, a sort of a term of the past because of that 
the abundance of knowledge and people that are talking about fantasy, someone's only a sleeper for maybe a day and or two days, and then everyone's on board and they're, they're being drafted. Um, and I think a perfect example is Tari Eason, um, who I I was able to get him with my last pick in a ton of draft only leagues, which were drafting in September. But after his first couple of preseason games that value has gone and he's now going at sort of around pick 100 110 so he is no longer a sleeper he was for for that first portion but as soon as people saw him play his adp goes up four rounds um so it is really hard to find sleepers especially if you're drafting later so the closer you get to the start of the actual season it's yeah, it's really hard. And so if you've got your guys after sort of pick 100, you just grab them now um, because if you wait, chances are they're going to go if, if they've got any hype at all. Um, I mean, there are still... I think there's still a couple of names down there that, that I'm sort of targeting or, or players that I'm happy to take with my sort of like, like who? Give us, give us the scoop. Um. Well, as I said, Tari Eason, but he having to reach to get him a little bit now. Um, Dylan Brooks is a guy that I'm sort of getting late in a lot of drafts, and, and I don't really like him as a player, but he, <laughs> he, he could get you 17 or 18 points and a steal and a few threes. He's good from the free throw line. If you can get anyone scoring 17, 18 points um, with your 12th round pick, then that's pretty valuable. Um, Isaiah Hartenstein, if he fits my build, is a, is a guy that I'm willing to grab fairly late, even though he's not starting. I just think he, even in 22, 23 minutes, he can be a top 100 player. Uh, Cole Anthony. I like him. Yep. Um, How we forgot Cole about Anthony. Cole Anthony? Yeah, I think with Jalen Suggs out, I mean, the injury doesn't sound super serious in terms of the capsule strain or, or whatever it was, but the bone bruise worries me a little bit because I think from memory that's what Kendrick Nunn had last season and he missed the whole year um, and, I, and I've had bone bruising in my knee and when I when I tore my ACL um, and my PCL and fractured bones all, I did all sorts of things it was the, actually the bone bruising that hung around the longest um, I got the surgery done for, for what I could have surgery done for and but the bone bruising stuck around for months um, so that concerns me a little bit and and I think we saw Rudy Gobert earlier in his career he had a knee bone bruise which cost him quite a, a significant amount of time so Cole Anthony is a guy that I think everyone sort of forgot about with Fultz healthy and Suggs there but Fultz isn't healthy, Suggs isn't healthy, so why <laughs> I not? I wonder if those guys been healthy. actually healthy together at all in their career. Yeah, I'm not sure they have. So, I mean, Cole Anthony last season, I think he was something like a top 60 player or something for the first two months. So, um, yeah, look, if he's floating around at the back end of drafts, grab him and you might only get a month or two months um, top, top 60, top 70 value, but that, then just drop him and grab someone else. That's that's a lot of time. A couple of months of a top seventy mm-hmm. value. That's a lot of quality starts. That's a lot of quality wins. Yep. I think people. I think people also get hung up on. Here's what people get hung up on on two things. They get hung up on playoff schedules 
and they get hung up on um, kind of that, like, oh, I can't keep him for the entire season. He's only going to play, like, the first couple months, blah, blah, blah. Then his, his situation's going to change. It's like, well, quality start's a quality start, period. And also, in order to care about a playoff schedule, you have to make the playoffs. Thought I even saw someone talking about Steph Curry's playoff schedule, and I was like, all right, if you don't want to draft Steph Curry because of his playoff schedule, that's insane. Yeah, no, I, I'm much the same. I I barely pay attention to um, playoff schedule because, as you said, you, you've you got to get there first. If you're not there, who cares what their playoff schedule is? So, um, yeah, I don't really look at it too much. I, I do know from just from listening that the Clippers, I think, have a pretty bad playoff schedule, a couple of two-game weeks. But even if they had three game weeks, who's to say that they wouldn't have a back-to-back and Kawhi would rest one and Paul George would rest one and if they're sort of locked into the third the third seed with with um, the ability to rest players, they may have a two or three or four game week where they would be resting players anyway. So, yeah, I, I don't really um, weigh into that discussion too much. I, I just draft who I want to draft and and then keep my fingers crossed. Same. Yeah, and there's also um, four full months of basketball where your roster will change. So it's kind of like you can prepare. You can adjust your roster and prepare for the playoffs if you think your team is good uh, come, you know, December or January, right, before your trade deadlines. It's like you can figure that out um, instead of trying to draft uh, or overlook players who are good just because maybe they're going to play five games instead of four games, that person might not even be... That person who you're drafting over the other one who has got five games in the playoffs, right, might not be... might be injured by that time. Might sit a couple games out because they're resting for the playoffs, like the actual playoffs. Uh, who knows? Like, I just think there's too many variables and too much to worry about uh, before you get to the playoffs to care about scheduling like that. Um, and yeah, I, I also agree with you, like, the sleepers, right? Like, we're so close to the season... Um, I find it kind of almost like a reverse sleeper, where it's like, oh, CJ McCollum, people are really not caring about that guy anymore. And you get him, like, a round later. Or, like, no one's still paying attention to Kyle Lowry. That's some pretty good assists in the in the 100 range. Like, yeah. I, those yeah, are the guys uh, I recommend. It's just the old guys that no one cares about. Jeremy Grant's being overlooked. Like, I'm like, Jeremy Grant's going to be the second leading scorer in Portland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see, as we've talked about, you see all these hyped players who... who who shuffle up the rankings in the ADPs. And meanwhile, these guys like Lowry and, and Jeremy Grant, who, who are, they? I mean, they are who they are. They, there's not a lot of upside, but they're, they're proven. Um, and as we've touched on as well, Lowry might play, I don't know, say he plays 58 games, which sounds ridiculous. And, and why would I draft someone who's only going to play 58 games? I think last season, the, the average was 66 or something like that. So... <laughs> Who's to say the? I mean, COVID was was still a bit of a factor, but it, I mean, it, it hasn't gone away. It, I don't think it's going to impact the league too much, based on where we are right now. Who knows what happens in the next six months? But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the average might be sixty-seven, and if you can get fifty-eight Kyle Lowry games, but you're drafting him at pick one hundred and ten, um, then then that's great value. So I think, yeah, if those I think, games are during the playoffs, great. Um, I have so to go no, Jimmy Butler came back and played in the playoffs. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, 
and Jeremy Grant's a good example. I think people are sort of thinking, well, he's he's not going to be that alpha anymore. He's not going to be taking all the shots. And that's true. And then so he's scoring, he's going to take a hit. But we've seen already in the first couple of preseason games that he's that that could very well allow him to focus more on his defensive um, aspect, which is actually where his value was built initially. Um, early in his career was on his ability to get steals and blocks threes um he was never a scorer that that wasn't his primary sort of role so the it's, fact it's that wild had... to think about because you kind of forget about that right it's like people were kind of laughing that detroit even brought him over to be their main guy they're like this guy doesn't score like what are you what are you talking about what are you yeah. doing and then he had that crazy year where he was like oh yeah this guy's actually very very good he had like a julius randall-esque like blow up uh, and then, you know, it just turned out that's not how you build. You can't build a team around him in real life, right? He can get the stats, but um, he's probably better as a second or third option. So why not thrive as a second or third option? Yeah, and, and now he has had that, that two-year sort of window to work on his offensive game. And, and basically Detroit said, we don't care if you play defense. We just want to get you scoring. So Portland really have, have got him in, in, in the sort of the prime position here where he has the ability to score if required, but he generally won't be required to, to be that lead scorer. So he can do a bit of both. And I think in yesterday's game, he had 17 points, which is if you can get 15 to 17 points from him, that's great. But he also had two steals and two blocks. So if you can get a guy that's giving you sort of 15 points with one and a half threes and over a steal, over a block, it's a top 60 player, and he's being drafted around pick 100. So there's four rounds of value straight away. That's tons, tons of value. Um, I think we're wrapping up here, but I, I guess I want to leave people with, right, is that you know, if, if, veterans, new players, whatever, when it comes to the first week, because uh, we're almost there, it's almost the first week of basketball right now. Um, what is your, I guess, advice for people going into this first week with this kind of unknown season with a lot of teams who we don't even know the rotation yet, a lot of uh, players uh, and their playing time in flux. Uh, what's your best advice to people as they start the season? Uh, I think the advice, I mean, you, you, how quickly we forget, but if, if you sort of think back to previous seasons, it's really don't panic. I think you see in that first week, first two weeks, you see a lot of people panicking and dropping players because they might, have two bad games or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I think if you had a strategy going in, um, you did your research, you've, you've picked the team that you wanted to pick, um, sort of trust in, in what you've done and then and, and give your guys some time to settle in, uh, especially if they're on a new team or in a new role. Um, like, we could very well see... Um, a player we talked about earlier, Towns, we could we could see him struggle for the first week because he's he's really got to get used to not being the centre, playing out on the perimeter a bit more. So you could see him sort of putting up top 60 value over the first week rather than top 15 value. So you may be able to get him in a trade. You might have a guy that... that um, you drafted at, at pick 40. Um, I don't know if I scroll through names. Like, I don't know. Michael Porter Jr. might yeah. start the season on fire and people go, oh, he's back. He's going to be a top 20 player. And someone who's got Towns might go, well, he's he's going to be 
um, a top top 20 player as well. Let's trade. And in a month, it might be that Cat is back to being a top 15 player and Porter Jr. settles in at top 40. So you, you've won there. So I think for me, it's just don't panic. Um, stay the course. and But me in the meantime, keep an eye out for players getting dropped that, that you can go and swoop on and pick them up off waivers. People always panic. And I actually do think that's kind of a hangover from... Uh, maybe people who don't either play fantasy basketball a lot or coming in from fantasy football, you know, there's only like a handful of weeks in fantasy football. You got to get on it. There's a lot of weeks and a lot of games um, in fantasy basketball. The first two to three weeks, right? Things are not even normal. Even in the first two to three weeks, if Dame is shooting poorly for the first couple weeks, well like he's dame he's gonna do what dame does he's, he's gonna revert back to the mean um but other people don't be that person other people they panic exploit them that's kind of yep. the point right thank you adam for joining us here on watching the boxes uh tell the people where they can find you on twitter and how they can get more fancy basketball international in their life uh so i'm on twitter at adam king 91 um for Fantasy Basketball International, you've sort of covered them there. Um, FBIbasketball.com uh, is where you'll go and, or where you can find um, access to all of our stuff. So our Discord server is probably one of our, our bigger sort of, well, not a selling point, but because it's free. But um, as I said, there's over 2,000 people in there now and a lot of chatter, a lot of educated people. Um, we've got a, a couple of guys who are in there who are writing articles for us now so they're up on the website um and we've got yeah we've got the clutch time podcast which um will be running throughout the season uh we will probably be doing a couple of post game shows as well um we're just logging in b dub who sort of does all that side of things he he just uh he, his wife just had a baby a couple of weeks ago so he's he's pretty uh distracted at the moment congratulations good luck <laughs> yeah no that he's so he, he's busy so he's got a lot going on so i know he is hoping to get um settle into a bit of a routine and, and get some of our our things ready for the season um so that'll happen at some point when he, when he gets some time we'll we'll have can watch uh, some nba games live though that'll be nice it is it is nice that's one of the good things actually about in the middle of the night australia is that we can just spend all day watching nba um Work unfortunately gets in the way sometimes, but that's <laughs> that's uh, that's the price we have to pay, I suppose, for living over here. Yeah, you know, if I have to, if I have to, if I have to move to Australia, if someone has to put me up or sponsor me um, to move to Australia to get out of America and have to watch a basketball in the morning and the afternoon, that I'll do it. I'll do it for. I'll do it for the <laughs> cause. I'll do it. I, yeah. Know, even though I definitely. Don't want to do it, I will happily do it immediately. So please smuggle me into your country. We'll do our best. We'll do it. There's plenty of room. There's plenty of room here. Yeah, I've heard there's quite a bit of room uh, in Australia. Um, Adam King, thank you so much for joining us. Um, everybody, we'll be back soon with more podcasts. The league is almost started. We're almost here. Uh, but until then, take it easy, stay safe, and we will catch you next time.